Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Good morning. Come on, if you love Jesus, can you just give him praise right now as we start this morning off? Man, I think, uh, I think that was the greatest introduction I've ever received, and so thank you so much. Um, half of that, I don't know if it was totally true, but I'm just going to accept it and say thank you. Um, man, how many of you guys know you have the greatest pastors here at DCC? Come on. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been connected to the McKinleys for uh, pretty much my whole life. I grew up going to the camp that he was talking about that he and my dad served at. And uh, I, it's just been such a blessing and getting to know their daughter, Kendall, at the gathering. It was crazy when we started the gathering, which is the, the young adult ministry that my wife and I lead. When we started that ministry, uh, we had just a bunch of people in a room with a bag of Doritos, like maybe like 10 people in a room with a bag of Doritos. And I was just praying like, Lord, give us vision for this ministry. I'm having to convince these college kids to show up and serve. I'm, I'm bribing them with money and pizza. And in walked this little blonde girl named Kendall and she was like, hey, how can I serve? Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I see a need here. I'm just going to start a love team and help greet people. And I'm going to start inviting the girls from my dorm. And she single-handedly grew our ministry by herself. And so I'm very thankful for the McKinleys. But it's no surprise um, now getting to come to the church that her parents lead and um, have grown. That building is just a part of their nature. And it's who they are. It's what they do. They love to build the kingdom of God. And um, it is such an honor to be standing here and be invited to this community. Uh, I know that y'all's heart and soul is right here in Newberry. And so um, they love you guys. They, uh, they serve you guys. They could be anywhere in the world, but they're in Newberry because they love this house and this community. I think it would be appropriate to let them know how thankful we are for them. Um, I also have to say it's really cool. Pastor Scotty and Nikki are like my big brother and big sister, and it's really cool to be with them. Uh, I like to think that I'm the reason they're married, actually. Uh, Scotty was my babysitter as a little boy, and um, he started, you know, he started getting on to bigger and better things. He didn't have time for me anymore. And so my parents uh, started paying Nikki to babysit me as a little kid. And one day, uh, Nikki was on Christian Mingle before Christian Mingle was a thing. And my mom walked in the door and she's like, I know something better than Christian Mingle. His name is Scotty Campbell. And so they got together, and now three kids later, they're here in Newberry, and uh, they are seriously some of um, my closest friends, their family, and um, it's just an honor to, to be here all around. Uh, my name's Noah, I'm 25 years old, and uh, a few years ago, about a year and a half ago, I met a girl. Her name was Madison Perry at the time, and by the grace of God, six months ago, it became Madison Heron. Come on, somebody. Uh, we have a photo of my wife. This is Maddie, okay? Any single guys in the room who need proof that God is still doing miracles, you can just look at that photo right there, all right? Um, we have a son as well. I think we have a photo of our son. Uh, this is Mowgli. <laughs> How many of y'all know fatherhood is the best hood? Come on. <laughs> 
This is Mowgli, and he's a, a miniature golden doodle puppy. He's like three months old. We're having a blast with this puppy. He's, uh, he's house trained already, crazy, so smart, smart dog. The only thing is right now in Tennessee, it's like 19 degrees, and he wakes up every morning at 3.30 and has to go out. And so um, the other day I was outside, and it's 3.30 in the morning. I'm waiting for him to use the restroom, and I'm out there quoting scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. I'm about to lose my mind up in here. <laughs> and then uh, we have a photo also of um, the ministry that we lead. This is uh, some of our family um, called The Gathering, and, and we meet on Thursday nights. And um, what I love about this photo is I think you can just feel the passion um, that those kids and those students have for Jesus. And uh, as we were worshiping this morning, I felt the same passion. And I, I just love that we're all family, that we're all children of God. And it really is um, such an honor to be here. We're going to be in Genesis this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 8. And um, I hope that you feel the freedom uh, this morning to, to respond however you'd like. You can say amen. That's Hebrew for true that. You can say, uh, preach it, white boy. All right, whatever you want to say, you can do it. Um, if you hear something that you don't like, I want to hear from you too. Just email me at scottcampbell at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. So <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Um, I really think that this opening scripture might be uh, the most profound possibly the most profound scripture in all of the Bible. This is what it says. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. My name's Noah. Good morning. <laughs> I'm just teasing you guys. We're going to be in verse 18. Turn to verse 18. This is God speaking to Noah. He says this, but I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons, your wife and your son's wives will come on board with you. You are also to take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and them. I love how it ends in verse 22. It says, Noah did everything God commanded him to do. What a legacy. What a legacy. I don't know about you, but I would love to get to the end of my life and people be able to say, Noah did everything God commanded him to do. Um, this morning, I'd love to talk to you under the title. Uh, the title of my, my message this morning is Build the Boat. Will you just say that with me one time? Ready? One, two, three. Build the Boat. You sound amazing. Dear Lord, thank you so much for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you would just speak to us in a real uh, in a real and authentic way, Lord. We want an encounter with you above all else, Lord. We just ask that you take over these next few moments that we have together. We love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> Amen. I will never forget um, the night that my wife and I got engaged. And uh, I think everyone in the room who's married, you, you remember the moment that you got engaged. If you're a guy, you remember getting down on one knee. If you're the girl, you remember seeing that bling, okay? You remember that moment. And um, I'll never forget, after all of the excitement had kind of died down, we had posted this photo on Facebook. And, and it was the photo of me, like, down on, on one knee. And, you know, there was, like, this pretty background. And um, we're sitting there, and we were just blown away by the amount of people 
people that were congratulating us. I mean, people were, were saying, you know, congratulations. Uh, oh my goodness, this is amazing. We're so excited for you. There was a lot of people saying, Noah, you look great. I was like, thank you, stop, stop. Nobody said that. Um, there, uh, there was this one girl, I'll never forget. She, she commented, she said, OMG, be still my beating heart. I was like, I'm pretty sure you don't want that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how you die. <laughs> but um, I'll never forget, we're sitting there, we're reading these comments, and we're just blown away. And I looked over at my fiance at the time, Maddie, and I said, Maddie, if they only knew how we got to this point, right? If they only knew the backstory of our relationship, it makes me think about the first time that I told Maddie that I loved her. Um, big moment in our relationship. The first time I was so nervous, I wanted to tell her and I kept putting it off and putting it off. And um, there was this trip that our closest friends had plans and we were gonna be going to Hawaii that summer. And, and there was like 10 of us going to Hawaii on this trip and I was like, what better moment to tell the woman that I love that I love her than in Hawaii, right? I'm picturing me surfing up on a surfboard, okay? I got coconuts in both hands, right? My hair that I don't have is flowing in the winds, right? Like Elvis Presley is singing. And like, this is what I'm picturing. And, and we get there and it's our second day and I'm sleeping on a, on a pullout couch in Hawaii with three of my boys and it's about 6 a.m. in the morning. And I hear the sliding glass door in the next room open up. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, what's, what's going on? That shouldn't be opening. And so everyone else is asleep. I hop up out of bed to make sure that, you know, we're not being um, raided by Hawaiians or something like that. So I hop up and I walk outside. And, and sure enough, Maddie is outside standing, looking at the water. This is a real Titanic type moment. I start to get nervous. And so I walk over to her and I'm like, hey, Maddie, is everything good? And, and she begins to explain to me. She's like, my stomach is hurting. I think I had some bad seafood last night. And um, it was like I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, this is your time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked at her and I was like, hey, I was like, you know, let's, let's just walk down the beach. I, I do this regularly. I love to walk down the beach. So let's do this. We'll get some fresh air. So we start walking and never forget, beautiful sun begins to rise and there are uh seagulls i think that's what they're called are flapping you guys are from florida you know they're flapping in the distance and it's just this beautiful moment and i, I finally i stop her and i grab her hands and look into her deep blue blue beautiful eyes and i said uh, i said maddie um, i said i love you i love you there was this deep pause and she turns and she looks at me and kind of looks into my kind of average brown eyes <laughs> and she said uh, she said Noah I think I'm going to throw up and she ran to the bushes <laughs> welcome to my life <laughs> here's the thing um, about our relationship you never would have known any of those stories, if you had just looked at the photo, if you had just looked at the engagement. And, and what I love about the story of Noah is, is that it, it sometimes is the story that we categorize as like a kid's church story. 
It's this, this cute little story of, of, man, God wasn't super pleased with the earth, so he found Noah and his family, and he said, Noah, take all the animals, put them on a boat, two of every kind, and, and don't forget the Labrador retrievers because they're amazing dogs. Put them on the, put them on the boat, I'm going to flood the earth, and, and now we all have Labrador retrievers in our living rooms, and, and God is good. And it's just this sweet little wrapped up story. But when you look beneath the surface of the story of Noah, you see that the story of Noah is actually a really hard story. It's a really hard story. Most biblical scholars believe that Noah actually spent 120 years building this boat. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years? 120 years of going outside and working his tail off, building the boat. But for Noah, he had one measurement of success. He had one measurement of success. It was faithfulness to what God had told him to do. It was obedience to what God had spoken to him. I don't know about you, but it's, it's easy to be faithful in the beginning of something. How many of you know it is easy to eat salad and grass and go on that diet on day one? You're like, I'm getting the abs, okay? Beach bod is coming. But then day two, where are you at? You're with me in the Chick-fil-A drive-through line getting a number one with a large sweet tea because it's hard to stay faithful. How many of you know it's easy to be faithful um, on the honeymoon, right? It's easy to love your spouse on the honeymoon and serve your spouse on the honeymoon. But what about year 10 when they won't put the toilet seat down? Okay, I guess a little harder to serve and love them the same way as the honeymoon, right? Being faithful sometimes can be hard. I found this article in the New York Times. It came out two years ago, and um, it was a study. It was a case study on the millennial generation, which happens to be the generation that I'm a part of. And it said that the average millennial between ages 21 and 35, right, those first 14 years in the workforce will hold an average of 14 different full-time jobs. That is the average millennial. The point of this article was not to bash millennials. It wasn't um, actually to say anything negative about millennials. It was talking about us as a community and us as a society and how we are a generation in a people who are about the next opportunity. If there is a better opportunity for us, we immediately jump to that opportunity. And I understand opportunities, but the problem with opportunities is that God does not give opportunities, he gives assignments. There's a difference between an opportunity and an assignment. Opportunities are all about elevating man, but your assignment will always elevate God. Opportunities will satisfy for a moment, but your assignment will give your life purpose for a lifetime. Opportunities can be full of hype. Your assignment will always give people hope. Opportunities might please man, but your assignment will please God. One day when we get to heaven, God is not going to say, well done, my good and successful servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and you have a lot of followers servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and rich servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good, and you made it to the corporate top servant. He's going to say one thing, well done, my good and faithful servant. God has one measurement of success for us while we're here on this earth, and it's faithfulness. Is that the same measurement that we use in our life for success? Do we measure our life as successful based on how much we make? the titles that we might have, the places we might go, or do we measure it by how faithful we are to where God has us building the boat? 
I love this scripture in Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me because it takes the pressure off of me. It takes the pressure off of my talents, my abilities. And it just simply says, if I don't give up, I'm going to win. If I don't give up, God's going to do it. Um, my family, we have a friend and, and his name is Gordon Moat. I don't know if anyone here is familiar with um, Gordon Moat, but he is a blind piano player. And he's been blind since birth. He plays piano. If anyone likes country music, you've probably heard him play piano. He plays for just about every um, Nashville country music star that you can think of. He's on their recordings. And um, Mr. Gordon has been a really good friend of my dad's for our entire life. And uh, he came over to our house when I was about nine years old. I'll never forget this. He comes to our house and we're sitting out by the pool. Keep in mind, he's blind. And he looks over at me in my direction and he says, uh, Noah, would you like to go shoot baskets? I like look at my dad. I'm like, is he joking? You know? I was like, sure, Mr. Gordon. So we walked to the front yard and I had this basketball goal and I hand him the basketball. And he says, Noah, will you hit the pole that the basket's attached to so I can hear where it is? I'm like, yes, sir, I'll hit it. So I hit the pole and I'm kind of still really confused. He says, Noah, how tall is the basket? I said, it's, it's 10 feet tall, Mr. Gordon. It's regulation size. He goes, okay, okay, hit the pole one more time so I can hear it. So I hit the pole again, and he takes a left-handed jump shot from about where the three-point line was. Okay, I'm amazing. Swishes it, nothing but net. I don't know if you've ever seen a blind man shoot a basketball. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a blind man make a basketball shot, but as a nine-year-old, it was the most incredible thing that I had ever seen in my entire life. I said something extremely rude, but, but just forgive me, I was nine years old. I said, Mr. Gordon, you're blind. <laughs> How did you do that? Okay, and Mr. Gordon starts laughing. And he said, you know what, Noah, you don't need eyes for as much as you think you do. And as a nine-year-old, that didn't carry a lot of weight with me. But as a 25-year-old, that carries an extreme spiritual significance in my life. Because how many times do I let my eyes tell my feet what to do? How many times do I let my eyes tell me where to build or when to stop building or when to submit to God or when to leave or when to stay? How many times do I let my eyes dictate my faith? So you don't need eyes to have faith, you just need ears to listen and be obedient to what God has called us to do. Mr. Gordon, in his offhanded comment to me, preached a sermon to me that day. Because I don't know about you, but in 2020, I've got some things that I know God has called me to do. And if I don't make a decision right now that I'm not gonna let my circumstance affect how I worship Jesus, I might make it two months in of being faithful to what he's called me to do, but on the third month when things don't go to plan, I might decide to put the hammer down and stop building the boat. If I don't make a decision now that I'm gonna praise Jesus and I'm gonna worship Jesus and I'm gonna serve where Jesus wants me to serve, I might let my circumstance dictate my faithfulness. Think about the story of Noah. I, I love when I read scripture to, um, to put myself in the story and think about what it must have been like. And, and, and I can just imagine the dinner conversation when Noah came home 
having heard from God, right? He, he looks at his wife and, and he, says, uh, he says, hey, Sheila, you know, I, I, that's not her name. I'm just, I can't remember it. So we're going to call her Sheila right now. Hey, Sheila, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Oh, what are you going to do? I'm going to build a boat in the backyard. Okay, like a rowboat. Think more carnival cruise ship. Okay, what are you going to do with it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a pet go. Why are you going to do that? God told me. Okay, maybe that flew. Maybe that flew with his wife. But what about like year 20? And he's still outside. I just, I just imagine the conversation. Okay, this isn't in the Bible. This is just my imagination, right? Sheila comes home. She's like, hey, babe, you know, we used to get invited to the dinner parties and, and um, you know, with the neighbors, with the tea and the crumpets. I don't know why Noah's British, <laughs> but he's British right now. Um, we used to get invited to those parties and, and you know, we, we used to have friends and stuff, but now, you know, you've been doing this weird thing for 20 years and we don't get the invitations anymore. Do, do you have to do this? And what's Noah doing? He's just out in the backyard and he's just, I gotta keep building the boat. What about year 40, year 50, year 60? It's not like what Noah is doing is, is being written about in the newspaper. It's not like people are showing up to help Noah and support his cause. It's not like it was the new exciting thing on the block, okay? The Bible says that nobody else on earth was following God. So they thought that he was crazy. Hey, Noah, you crazy old man, you've been out here for 60 years. Your kids are grown, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life and Noah's outside. I just gotta keep building the boat. You're 100, 110, 120. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened if Noah had quit? You're 100, you're 119. I imagine the thoughts going through his head. Man, God, you, you told me to give it all up. You told me to come here. You told me, you gave me the vision for this. You gave me the heart for this. But man, I've been doing this for a long time and I see no signs of anything that you said happening. But you know what? You told me to do it. And I trust you and I trust your word. So I'm gonna keep building the boat. You know, from Many people, the thing that stops us from building the boat is that we don't have a degree in boat building. We don't feel qualified to, to boat build. We don't, we don't, maybe you're here and you're like, first of all, Noah, what are you talking about? Like, are you trying to sell me a bass boat? I don't understand. Maybe for you, the, the boat in your life is, is um, your marriage. Now you were building that boat year one, like us. It's easy to build that boat year one year five, and maybe you've been married for some time now, and you've kind of put the hammer aside, and, you know, date night has kind of evaporated, and maybe what God's calling you to build this year is the boat of your marriage. It's time to pick back up the hammer and start serving your wife again. Start 
loving your wife the way that you did when you first got married. Start looking for ways that you can surprise her. Start doing the little things again. Maybe for you, the, the boat that you're called to build is this house, is this church. Maybe it's time to, instead of just attending, it's time to catch the vision and start serving. And to pick up the hammer and say, Pastor Rocky, Pastor Mandy, how can I, how can I help build this boat? How can I help be a part of what God's doing in Newberry? Maybe for you, the boat God's calling you to build, this is the one that's uncomfortable. Maybe the boat he's calling you to build is the boat of tithing. You know, been following Jesus now. You've been submitting all the other areas of your life to him, but maybe now it's, it's God saying, hey, it's time to start giving everything. Start giving 10%. Start building that boat so that we can further the kingdom of God. I don't know what the boat is that God's called you to build, but I guarantee you, that if you don't think you can build it, Noah felt the same exact thing. I didn't go to boating school, God. I don't know how to do it. I don't feel qualified. But Galatians 6, 9 says, if you'll just show up and pick the hammer up and not give up, that you don't have to do the heavy lifting at all. That it's God who builds the house. It's God who does it. I'll never forget um, my wife, Maddie, uh, I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan, which I know is really dangerous to say. I had you guys until that moment. I realized I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan. And a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Scoreboard, scoreboard. I'm never getting invited back. Oh man, pray for me. But a couple months ago, I was watching the Georgia game. It was a Saturday afternoon, and my wife was at Target, which I'm learning is a really dangerous thing. My wife calls me, and she's like, hey, I'm, I'm on my way home. She said, um, I'm about to drive by Buffalo Wild Wings. Do you want me to pick you up some dinner? I'm like, yes. <laughs> All your promises are yes and amen. So she comes home, and, and um, she opens the door, and, and it was raining, and, and she's standing there, and she's got this box of, of a medium, traditional honey barbecue wings in her hand. And she's got the to-go box and she's standing there. And I was like, gosh, this is amazing. Like, this is the life. I'm sitting here. I'm watching football. My new wife is here. I didn't have an old one, but, but my wife is here. Um, and she's got wings in her hand. This is amazing. And, and then I had this really random thought. Okay, don't judge me. But my random thought was, thank God for to-go boxes. Because if she didn't have to-go boxes... I know this is crazy, but she'd be holding the wings in her hands, right? And there would be sauce all over her. And I was just like, thank God for to-go boxes because they serve a purpose. And here's the thing about to-go boxes. They're really cheap. If you've ever been to Buffalo Wild Wings, you know the box I'm talking about. It's yellow and black. It's little. It's cardboard. They probably buy it in bulk for like 30 cents or 10 cents each. It's not very valuable. But when a product gets put inside of that box, it, it takes on tremendous value because you don't have sauce all over your arm, right? The, the, the um, box does not give value to the product. The product gives value to the box. And so maybe you hear me talking about faithfulness in boat building and you're like, I don't think that I am called or qualified or equipped to build a boat. But what I came to tell you this morning is that you are a vessel and when something gets put inside of you, when the Holy Spirit gets put inside of you, when God's will gets put inside of you, all of a sudden you can do things that you never thought possible. What I'm saying is you don't have to be talented. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be successful. You don't have to be well-equipped. All you have to do 
is be open, willing, and clean. And if you'll be open, willing, and clean, God says, I can put something inside of that box. I can do something through a life that's submitted like that. And all of a sudden, you'll look up, and there's a boat in the backyard. You'll look up, and your life will be giving God glory. I don't know about you, but I don't want to, I, I heard a pastor say one time, he said, God's called you to, to do hard things. And I sat at the back of the room when I heard him say this and I was like, ah, you know what? I know what you're saying, but I don't totally agree with that because I believe that God has called me to do impossible things. I know a lot of people who can do hard things. I only know one God who can do impossible things. I don't want to just pray hard prayers because I might get the credit if those hard things come through. But I want to pray impossible prayers because that's the kind of life that Jesus Christ gets the glory through. I know your pastors have an impossible vision for Newberry. Guys are, building, guys are building a literal boat on the side of a road out there, and I drove by it, and it's amazing, and their vision for Newberry is impossible. But if they had a whole bunch of people who were open and willing, a whole bunch of vessels, a whole bunch of people saying, I'm here, I'm available, I'm gonna pick up the hammer and build the boat. And let me tell you, Newberry would be changed for Jesus Christ. Gainesville would be changed for Jesus Christ. I believe that you guys are gonna see revival happen in the little town of Newberry because of a vision to build a boat and because people picking up a hammer and showing up. Do you believe in the impossible? In closing, um, I have a little sister, and uh, her name is Carson. She's amazing. Um, Carson uh, has been uh, a missionary since she was 14 years old. She's been leading trips to Nicaragua, um, three or four trips a year. She, she speaks fluent Spanish. She taught herself Spanish. We're not Spanish. Um, <laughs> yeah, bro, you're glowing. We knew. <laughs> but... Um, She's been leading these missions trips and um, she wants to be a full-time missionary when she graduates college. And uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, she was in high school. She was a senior in high school. And she visited this school called Emmanuel College in Georgia. It's in North Georgia. And um, when she was there, she really felt like she heard God speak to her and say, Carson, this is the boat I'm calling you to the next four years. This is the place that I'm going to have you because they have this, this missionary program. And, and she just was falling in love with it. And so she comes back from this college visit and she says to my parents, I'm going to go to Emmanuel College. My parents are like, awesome. That's amazing. Why do you want to do it? She says, because God told me to. My parents are like, awesome. Then they look up Emmanuel College and see that it costs $40,000 a year to go. And, and they said, are you sure God told you that? <laughs> um, my parents are pastors. And so, uh, you know, uh, we're not broke. We're blessed, but we're also kind of broke, you know. <laughs> so... They tell her, they're like, okay, Carson, you know, if God provides a way, you're going to go to Emmanuel College. We're believing with you, and it's going to be awesome, but, you know, we need to start applying for scholarships. And so that year starts going on, and it gets all the way to May. And in May, my, my sister had no scholarships to Emmanuel. She had no financial aid, nothing. My parents sat her down at the dinner table, and they said, Carson, you're going to have to come up with a, with a plan B. You're going to have to come up with another option because this, we just can't make this work. And we, we don't have the money to afford this. You're going to be a missionary. You're definitely not going to have the money to afford this. And, and we, have to think, we have to think logically. 
My little sister, 18 years old at the time, she pushed her chair back from the dinner table. She looked at my parents and she said, my entire life you've taught me to have faith for things that I couldn't see. And now I'm trying to do it. And you're telling me I need a plan B. Faith doesn't need a plan B. And she said, can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents are like, do we ground her? Do we clap? <laughs> do we have an altar call? <laughs> she goes upstairs and my mom, I, I wasn't there, I was in Tennessee, but my mom says that she began to hear my little sister crying upstairs. A few minutes went by and all of a sudden they heard the sound of my sister singing and it's a song called Waymaker, maybe you've heard of it. They begin to hear these lyrics, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark, my God, that is who you are. And she just begins to sing it and sing it. My parents are downstairs at the dinner table and, and, and they just start to sing it and sing it and sing it. Next morning, about nine o'clock in the morning, my dad gets a phone call from um, the admissions counselor at Emmanuel. And, and this was a, a regular thing at this time. They'd been in contact about financial aid and stuff. And this guy, he says, um, he says hey, uh, Pastor Tori, you and Carson should come to the school today. There's a big event, free food and all this stuff. You guys should just come by. It's gonna be awesome. And my dad's like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know if we should do that, you know? And, and long story short, they end up going. They go to the school and they have this great time. They're there for a couple hours and they're on their way to the parking lot to leave. And as they're walking out, the Dean of Students comes out and goes, hey, you're Carson Heron, right? My sister's like, yeah, that's me. And she goes, hey, the president of the university wants to talk to you. And my sister was like, what? I don't even know him. Yeah, yeah, the president, he's, he's in his office. He wants to talk to you. Will you just, real quick, it'll only take a minute. Carson goes to his office, my dad, and they sit down, start to talk. And the president looks across the table and he says, he says, you're never gonna believe this. But last night, around dinner time, I got a phone call. It's from one of our donors and he called me and he said, do you have any potential incoming freshmen who wanna be missionaries to a Spanish speaking country because I wanna pay for four years for that student to go to Emmanuel. We looked through all of our records and you're the only one who fits that description are you still thinking about coming to Emmanuel? My sister looked at my dad. She said, I told you. <laughs> if God has called you to a place, if you will just show up and believe that he is who he says he is, if you will just show up and believe that I am called, that he is with me, that he has equipped me for this, that he is with me and going before me and behind me, that it is actually him who's building the boat, you will live a life so full of purpose and assignment that the only way that you can describe that kind of life is by pointing up to him and saying, it is Jesus, it is God, it is him who deserves the glory, it is him who deserves the price. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.